3: The
4: Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johara Tundalkin Cabin. Discover the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors that comes with a five-year warranty. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more details.
5: Good afternoon, you're very welcome along to the Late Lunch here on LMFM I'm Alison O'Reilly on this Thursday afternoon The week is absolutely flying, we're here until half past three so I'd love to hear from you The text as always, you can WhatsApp us as well is 086 1800 658 or you can email us at info at lmfm.ie Coming up on today's show we'll be hearing about the Tommy Hector and Larita podcast which is flying off the internet Louise, more than five Million hits uh, in May, so God only knows now, but it's been doing extremely well. You're a fan of this oh, podcast, I'm a huge
3: fan, yeah. It has me out walking, and actually, I used to be able to walk
5: 5k. And now I just keep going until the end of the podcast. This is the big thing, podcasts and headphones, isn't I won't it? go home at
6: all. You know, oh, keep going. The <laughs> keep long going walk. Where's like, Mammy gone. <laughs> the long walk. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, we, we'll be hearing from Loretta in just a few minutes. And local scientist Neve Shaw will be telling us about the On Post Brain Busters programme. Alan O'Donoghue has ways to deal with anxiety and children going back to school. And one woman's going to tell us about her new chin wagon business on Port Beach, which she says has changed her life. Randall Plunkett, I'm I'm sure you've all heard of him and his incredible rewilding partnership with the wildlife hospital he'll be on the line and cannonball is coming back to slain this weekend so a packed show for you guys uh, but first as i said tommy tiernan and hector i'm not even going to i'm not even going to attempt his surname i never get this right i just oh can, Hulk, can, can. oh hok there you go <laughs> and Loretta bluet our three friends who um they got together in the height of the lockdown. So strange things were happening in the lockdown, but they sat around the table in a hen house at the bottom of a garden in the west of Ireland and started having chats. And lo and behold, along came the THL podcast. And Loretta's on the line now. Loretta, how are you? Hi there, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Did you ever expect such success?
7: Um, I'm No, I'm not. To be honest, we didn't. We didn't really know what to expect when we started it. Um. We didn't really know what we were doing. We we were a year old last week and we, we played our first ever uh, recording in the hen house and it was an absolute mess. Uh, we hadn't <laughs> a clue what we were doing. Uh, we didn't know if the microphones returned the right way or what, what was going on. For three <laughs> people that worked in radio previously, um, we certainly hadn't a clue how to produce a podcast. So
5: Oh no, listen, I'm with you there. I'm trying to do a podcast at the moment and you're kind of stitching together. It's a nightmare sometimes, isn't it?
7: It's a nightmare, you know I, I, I'm always amazed by the production people who, who can keep the show on the road, but uh, yeah, look at it, it's been great, and, and people have uh, Irish people all over the world really have been tuned in, and even people not from Ireland are still getting our humor. Cousins of mine who live in, in New York have been listening since the first day, and uh, they haven't switched off since so. I thought maybe they'd be loyal for a few weeks and then, and then get bored of the Irish humor but. No, and they're absolutely loving it so it's great it's brilliant so For for our listeners who don't know
5: how did you all get together and make that first podcast which you say was a mess?
7: Yeah <laughs> um, So obviously the the two boys are from Laven and, and went to school together there and I'm sure most of your listeners will be familiar with the two messers that they are um, They were uh, signed up to join iRadio probably about te- uh, 12, 15 years ago now I can't remember exactly when and um, I was a sports uh, news or sports newsreader on on iRadio at the time and I I did a sports show and I also um, just was fired into the mix with the two boys on their show and we just struck struck up a great relationship, a good friendship and we stayed in in touch ever since. Um, We did the show for about two or three years and we got up to all sorts of messing on the the radio but because iRadio was a new radio station and didn't really have Many listeners at the time um uh, we were able to get away with a lot more i'd say on live radio um and uh, we built up a, you know base of people from then and then obviously became very friendly stayed in touch and we decided during the first lockdown that we needed to get busy doing something. So we came up with a podcast idea.
5: That worked really well for you because you said there that, you know, you sort of clicked, didn't you, the the three of you? And that's very important, isn't it? For something to be a success because it can't be forced. It's a natural sort of laugh and a bit of crack. Um, And I think that's very special. That's one of the great essence of a good show or a good podcast. If you don't get on, forget about it.
7: Absolutely, Lucas, you see in all walks of life, whether it be on radio or whether you're in an office or whatever, you always click with, you know, there's certain people that click with each other and just just get on well. And I think that's the whole essence of our podcast is that it's not prepared. We don't um, discuss topics before we uh, go live. Um, Our microphones just go up and we hold off every conversation or anything that's happened to us during the week until we talk about it on the podcast and uh, it's just very natural it's like you're meeting your friends for a cup of coffee in a cafe and you're just catching up on, on the week's crack and uh, you know all the different antics that we get up to you know I suppose currently and also from from, from our past days as well so yeah I mean it's not as you said it's not forced it's, it's very relaxed and it would be very difficult to do something like that if you if you just didn't naturally get on mm. get on with the people you know.
5: And uh, you being from Mayo and the lads from Navan. How did that go down in the GAA circles?
7: Well, listen, it's been a, a, a roller coaster a few. A few weeks. Congratulations <laughs> to the me the ladies. I think they captured mm. the nation's hearts. Um, oh yeah! In the last two weeks two weekends ago when they when they won the All-Ireland and I think everyone was rooting for them. You know, everyone loves the underdog and they were absolutely amazing on the day. Um, as someone who played football in my past days, I was delighted to watch the match and see how exciting they played and how great it was. So, of course, the boys were going around... Uh, you know, with uh, with feathers in their hats then with babies, and they were singing Come On You Girls in Green and all the rest of it. And it was brilliant and I was enjoying yeah. it all and I thought, oh, brilliant now that our men are just going to win the All-Ireland and top it all off. and mm-hmm. You know, it'll just be great. And unfortunately, this week has been a bit of a downer, but you that's the, that's the joy of
5: sport I suppose. It is it's just nail-biting stuff isn't it and it can really really upend your life like when you're desperately hoping that your team will win and poor Al Mayo now they've had a tough L run of it, we were talking about it earlier on the show but um, this week but uh, it, they've had a tough L run but you know that's, as you said, that's the nature of sport and uh, should they go again?
7: Well hopefully, look at it, it's been strange actually, very strange atmosphere around Mayo, it's just in, in Ballina there today and yesterday and Everyone's quite raw. It's, it's mm. very disapp- Everyone's very disappointed. And um, there's a lot of visitors around because I'd say people kind of thought, oh, let's have our holidays in Mayo next week. They're going to be all Ireland champions. Um, so there's a lot of people around and a lot of people around saying absolutely nothing except talking about the match, which is not gonna the result isn't going to change. So. Um, I think I'll keep my head down for a few days and stay away from it now. So
5: the the podcast, Larita. I mean, I, the last time I looked, there was five million hits, but it's probably way beyond that now. But you guys have said you're going to keep ploughing until you get fifty million.
7: Yeah, look, we'll we keep plugging away. Um, we'll keep plugging away and see how we get on with that. Um, we're we're chipping away at the at the listens all the time, and people. Look, I, I was talking to a man last night who's from who's who's from Mayo but lives in Perth. And he just came over and he said hello to me and he just said, listen, I'm so excited I've got about 12 or 14 episodes to listen to because I'm going to go into two week quarantine when I head over to, to Perth and I'm going to be able to listen listen to them all. So it's great. Some people have their favourite episode over the last year and they listen to that um, over and over again. And, you know, some people are coming to it for the first time and, and binge listening to it. So yeah, it's, it's great and, and we're delighted that people are enjoying the crack and the fun and the, um, and all the humour and uh, we're just going to keep, uh, keep plugging away and see how we get on over the next file with us.
5: And it really has a good sense of, of keeping people close to home. And speaking of home, are you going to go over to Navin with the two boys?
7: Well, look. I mean, Tommy gave Balin off awful slagging, as you'll remember, a few weeks ago. Um, I, I know he was only slagging me, and I know he loves it really, but because uh, he's kind of a Mayo man at heart, uh, I know that the, the Tiernan's have strong connections with Mayo. So, um, I will—I'll um, keep that in mind when I go to Navin, and I will uh, remember to give him a bit of slagging. But I certainly, I certainly won't. Uh, won't upset the people of Navin when I leave it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hitting down to the shopping centre and, and, and checking out the Chinese and all the different restaurants and all the, the takeaways, Hector's favourite takeaways and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, we, we should be going there soon. And uh, when we do, we'll, we'll, give, you, we'll give you plenty of warning.
5: And, and and just working with him, Loretta, I mean, they're hugely famous now. The Tommy Tiernan Show is, is, is fantastic. He does a brilliant, brilliant job um, of, of interviewing people that he's nine times out of ten have, have, doesn't know anything about. Um, but working with them, you know, they are very professional, but they're also huge messers. You must really enjoy the crack. I'd say every day is different with them.
7: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you on the messing part, I'm not <laughs> sure about the professional part now. <laughs> well, I know, like, of course, you know, Tommy's uh, TV show is, is is just going from strength to strength, and it's um, again, something that is real, and people can connect to it and uh, and they love, and then obviously Hector's doing his travel shows and he's going to be heading off again soon to, to travel around the world, and they're, they're amazing at what they do, uh, you know, in, in that regard. And just with the with the, the podcast, we um were able to, you know, take plenty of slagging off each other as well, which is important. We're mm. constantly messing with each other and uh, pushing each other and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's it's great. And the, but at the end of the day, they're just two two Navin lads. They're two good lads, and um, they're they're look they look after me pretty well. So. The three of us uh, make a good team and, and they're just like having two extra older brothers um that's the kind of relationship that we have I'm like their little sister and they're like my two big brothers so um I, I like to constantly remind them that they're much older than me as well just to just to keep their feet on the ground <laughs> um but yeah it's it's a lovely relationship, but it's it's a nice um it, it's 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 something that's very special to us now because we've obviously been we started recording it probably in june or july last year and then obviously we, we just went live in september so so we're just we're just a year old and um we're just basically immersed in each other's lives at the minute so um Brilliant. So it's going, it's going pretty good. Lovely stuff, Lorita. Well, thanks a million
5: for joining us here on the late lunch to fill us in on your uh, uh, fantastically successful. Um, uh, I'm nearly after forgetting podcast.
7: <laughs> oh, you're all right. you're okay. and so it's sexthlpod. Uh, dot com out. If anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast yet would like to get some more information about us, you, you, you'll check it out all there, and you can find us on all social media uh, platforms as well, and, and, and engage with us there
5: great stuff that's thlpod.com Lorita thanks so much for joining us here on The Late Lunch all right, we'll there. take Bye. a break we we'll be back after this welcome back to The Late Lunch and uh, your, uh, feel free to, to text us on 086-180-658, 800 or you can email us at info at now still to come on the show we'll uh, be talking all things parenting but looking specifically at children with anxiety when they're heading back to school which is a huge issue because we've been all over the place with the Covid pandemic and um, Randall Plunkett, the Baron of Dunsany, I'm sure you've heard about him, has a rewilding project with the Wildlife Hospital, and Cannonball is coming back to Slaying this weekend. Uh, so do get in touch with us and stay tuned. We've loads coming up, but first, award-winning communicator, writer, explorer of space activities, and Dundalk native, Dr. Neve Shaw, is on the line to tell us about the OnPost Brainbusters National Champions. Neve, how are you?
8: I'm great. How are you? I'm
5: great, awesome. thank to you. To you.
8: Yeah, good. <laughs> You're good. <laughs>
5: You're a lover of all things space.
8: I am. Yeah, I am. Why? I, am. I love. Oh, I don't know. I just, I just think it. Um, I think it kind of makes me kind of look at the bigger questions, and it always makes me kind of reflect on my own life and my own choices. I think, you know, it's just such a vast. It's just so big in comparison to us. It just can't. It just puts me in a in a very calm state of mind that makes me think about the. Bigger things. I think that's why I'm always drawn to it. You
5: know. Yeah, and uh, your your life's mission is to get there. Your own mission to space. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, um, you know. You need, do you need to give um, Richard Branson a ring?
8: Richard Branson or Elon Musk or any of those billionaires? Yeah. I mean, we had a launch again last night of, of four more um, public citizens mm. that were funded by a billionaire. Yeah, and I think um, you know I'll keep ploughing away at, at you know as a science communicator, and, and the idea is is that. You know, somebody will. If I work long enough and hard enough, and I and I do a good enough job, that somebody will will send me up because they'll they'll be interested to see my take on it. That's that's kind of the strategy, you know. And and until then, I love what I do, so I I keep doing it.
5: Yeah, I mean, it is um, it's, it's 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 just a wonder, isn't it? Particularly for mm-hmm. children. Uh, I know myself when I was young. I remember getting a, a telescope from Santi, and <gasps> I just thought oh. this was the greatest thing ever. And did you see the moon through it? Like, did you get it to work and everything? Yeah, it was a really good telescope. He was oh. very kind to me that year. Um, and I did, I remember I had a huge love for it. And um, yeah. I mean, we, um, you know, I live in Dublin now, but I mean, yeah. the, it's fantastic. The, the moonlight, stars, everything. I always sit out in the, in the dark, even today, and stare up there. And I always think about my little telescope, but it is, it's a wonder.
8: Lovely. And I mean, even with a pair of binoculars, you can see quite mm. a lot. I mean, the problem is, is that, it, you know, they kind of shake a bit. But if you could get a tripod and there is an attachment on binoculars that you can just attach to it, like so you don't even have to invest that much in yeah. Yeah, I, I did all that later in life. It's funny, you know, I had the passion as a, as a child, but it's only later in life now that I have my own telescope and I'm, I'm doing all that, you know, and I love it. I just love it. I'm still learning. Though I've, I know so
5: little. Oh, look, you're always learning. You're always learning. Yeah. That's yeah, the, and, always you know, the, some of the greatest people I know at 60 still don't know what they want to do. And I think, you know, you, you find your time and, and everything has a time and a place, I think. Myself, yeah. that's just my opinion. Um, tell us about the On Post uh, project.
8: Well the Unprost Brain Brainbusters is an initiative that I've been involved in now for over a year. They have developed um a new um challenge for schools, which is, you know, to promote numeracy and, and literacy skills. But it's it's really smart. I work with a mathematician called Finn McLeod and a writer called Ushin Gary and uh working with, with Real Nation, we put together um a series of challenges using gamification and kind of escape room and imagination. And it all culminates in a competition, uh, a final that's happening next April. So um, the Brainbusters kits have been sent out to the schools, and they have until the seventeenth of November to complete the initial challenge. And then from that, twenty finalists are then selected, and then we have a, a, a live uh, national final, which I'm which I'm hosting and delighted to be hosting. And and the the school receives a um, thousand euro, and I think there's a special prize for the teacher as well. And it's 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 um it's all in partnership with the INTO which is the, which is the teachers union and it's a challenge for fifth and sixth class primary and first and second uh, year in in secondary school and i just i love it because it matches so much about what I what I'm always promoting which is just about curiosity and mm-hmm. I think you know now that everybody's going back to school it's been such a tough year I think it's, it's a great a really interesting and fascinating challenge and um, I'm delighted to be working with with Unpust in, in kind of helping them talk about it and in, in rolling it out you know
5: I'd say there's a lot of uh, little uh, oh. do, you, do, the, do you imagine the kids just listening to that just staring at you in awe of, of hearing these <laughs> stories I think it's incredible yeah,
8: I know it's great. It, it it'll be um it'll be great. It'll be just brilliant and it'll be very cute on the day of yeah. the and final and even just the challenges themselves are really good. I mean they they had a few um test runs there I think earlier this week and they just loved it. The school absolutely loved it. And the packaging and everything, it comes in a lovely box and there's a there's actually a lock on the box and you have to oh. use your logic to even figure out how to open the oh. box.
5: Oh, so smart. Oh, wow. So smart. Oh wow. And what about the Louis School and their science project?
8: so I've, I'm really happy we have another thing going on as well for, for Science Week I'm going to be working with, with St. Louis my old um, secondary school and um, we want to uh, promote Science Week and we want to bring it to a, a broader audience so we're going to be running um, an online TV kind of magazine style show uh, during Science Week we're also working with Margaret Aylward Community College in Ballymun and the two schools and I are going to be presenting this show for every evening of, of Science Week around 6 o'clock to tell people about what to look out for in their locality, and to answer any questions. And um, the school they're doing their own little reports, and they're just um, they're they're kind of gaining their understanding of science, but also communication and um, and answering their own questions for themselves as well. So I'm, I'm really delighted. We kicked it off now this week. I'll, I'll kind of make the official announcement in the next um, week or so. But mm. yeah, I'm really excited to work with the school again.
5: So loads of little future astronauts, hopefully.
8: Yeah, and scientists as yes. well. Like they don't even necessarily have to like space, although, you know, they can't help when I'm around. <laughs> but, but already, you know, they were looking at the science of makeup today or the science of, of hair because there's science behind anything, you know. The so science of makeup.
5: Well, we're going to have to get you back oh, on to talk yeah. about that, Neve.
8: Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe they'll come on to talk about it. <laughs> they're going to be better experts other than me. But but yeah, so we'll be por- poring over all the different activities happening in Science Week nationwide and picking our favourites and then talking to the, the different people involved in making that, those events happen. That's the plan.
5: And going back to space, Neve, we have no Irish astronauts. We have one yeah. astronaut who claims... That to be Irish. So he always says, Dan Tanny, he's retired now. Yeah. I spoke to him a few times yeah. over the years. Yeah, he's sick of me. Oh my God, he's amazing. So lovely. And he's really so proud to be married mm-hmm. to a wife from Cork what? and he gives it loads. He really does yeah. get involved. Yeah. You can contact him anytime to do interviews and he's so happy to speak because he loves talking about Ireland. So proud of Ireland. But what a life.
8: I know. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a tough life. You know, being an astronaut, it's it's not easy. You know, I mean, selection process alone is, is challenging, but mm. also like what they put themselves through when they're on mission. They protect us from an awful lot of it, which is a lot of the reason why I want to go up, because I, I want to share how tough it is and how dangerous it is the moment we leave Earth. It's incredibly dangerous and thousands of people are involved to keep, you know, th- those astronauts alive and to plan their missions and everything and they don't really tell us the half of it they Mm. really don't and they are incredibly generous of spirit and they understand that they have a fantastic privilege but but that they are the custodians of of other people's work and and research and they take it very seriously there's,
5: There's no doubt about it we only see the Hollywood version
8: Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard going, you know, um, it's very hard on the body, um, you know, your sinuses, all your um, your fluids, um, you know, they all work differently when you're orbiting Earth. Um, you know, you're um you're kind of in a freefall uh, position. you know, you don't feel the effect of gravity. And our bodies are built for gravity, So it's a certain there
5: certainly is to your body. Well, we're actually running out of time, Eve. so I'm going to let you okay. go there, but you sure, look, All we'll right. get you back on again. Thanks okay. a million for join, joining us here on the late lunch. That's Dr. Le Shaw. We'll head mm-hmm. to news and sports. You're very welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. On this Thursday afternoon, our text number, as always, is 086 1800 658 or you can email us here at the station at info at lmfm.ie. Still to come of course, we'll have one woman on her new chinwagon coffee and cake business on Port Beach. Uh, Randall Plunkett on his rewilding partnership with the Wildlife Hospital and Cannonball is coming back to slain this weekend. But first... Let's talk to Alan O'Donoghue from the Help Me to Parent group. He's um, an expert on parenting, and we're going to talk about anxiety in kids going back to school. Alan, how are you?
1: I'm good, thanks, Alison. How have you been keeping?
5: I'm good, thanks. As the as the mother of an eleven year old, I am well in tune with this anxiety. It, it it kicked in, I think, sort of the beginning of uh, August, and uh, it's kind of settling down now. But it's tough going, isn't it, for little ones in particular?
1: Yeah, it's, it is tough going for, well, I suppose everybody, it's tough going for the parents to see their kids worrying and it's also, it's tough for teenagers because they've been out of school for so long and then all of a sudden they're right back in. So I think we are starting to see the longer term impact of COVID and the lockdown on children and young people now as it goes on a bit longer and a bit longer and certainly in my own practice the the amount of anxiety um, that our, our children with anxiety or teenagers with anxiety come to me has increased so much over the last six to eight months.
5: And I, I find as well that um, teachers have enough to be dealing with as well to be trying to to, to deal with this.
1: Yeah and I think teachers um, also ha- can have increased levels of anxiety because they could get sick you know and they're also trying to manage to teach a class, but manage things as best as possible. And I think ultimately, if you take a step back, everybody is trying their best. So although parents can get frustrated at maybe how schools or teachers are handling things, they're doing the best they can, given the situation and the changing situation that we have. And that isn't easy for anybody to be managing, but I think we're all trying our our best as as we go through this.
5: Yeah, and I suppose you being a parent yourself of of teenagers—well, a fifteen and a twelve-year-old, isn't it?
1: Mm, Yeah, it's a
5: different. It's a different type of thing, isn't it?
1: It is, and we've been seeing the same thing in our own kids. You know, they were nervous going back. My youngest was going into first year. My eldest was going into transition year, and neither of them kind of knew what to expect from the year because it was so different to what they've experienced. And I suppose there's so many children out there who have gone through school online and some people responded really well to it. Others found it really, really difficult being separated from their friends and then others just couldn't concentrate and they couldn't sit in front of a screen. And I think, you know, Alison, you you know yourself, if you sit in front of a, a computer screen all day, you start to get very tired. And then, you know, everything else, all other activities were going online if they were going ahead. So it was a really, really challenging situation for everybody to be in and now we're coming out of it but we're coming out of it in a very different way and, and and the world has changed for us so we have to be a bit more mindful of things we're thinking about masks and i know myself whenever i have to wear a mask i think i feel so sorry for those people who have to wear masks yeah. all day and our children In secondary school, have to wear masks all day.
5: Yeah. So we we have uh, a couple of queries in here. So my eight year old has been so nervous about going back to school that he's been making himself sick. I'd say that happens quite a bit, Alan.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, because the children don't necessarily know what is causing them the anxiety. They can't process it that clearly. So they look for reasons to try and deal with it as best that they can. And one of the ways is to make themselves sick.
5: I find that quite distressing because I know certainly with my son when he was anxious he was afraid of dogs for a very long time and just for an example because anxiety is anxiety no matter what um and it's, it's just a fear of kind of the unknown but I know that he used to tell the teacher I'm actually not allowed to go on that field trip I'm not allowed to go to that park and um, my mother said no <laughs> she was asking me what's the story here and I was like no he's allowed to go but it was in case he saw a dog
1: yeah so yeah, they do.
5: They do. You have to look for the physical signs as well with children.
1: Yeah, and sometimes they they won't don't be an obvious link, you know. Because I'm, I'm sure for you, the the fear of dogs coming out of your son's mouth it could be well, Where did that come from? Like yeah. <laughs> nothing has ever happened to you. Yeah. But again, we we look for reasons to justify how we are feeling inside. And for kids, they'll try and find anything that will give them a reason or not an excuse, but it'll help them to understand what's happening inside.
5: And I think as well, you know, the main thing is to kind of observe, isn't it, and and dig deep a bit when they start showing these physical signs, because it is, in a way, a little cry for help. They don't know. So they have to express it, don't they?
1: They do. And that can be really challenging as a parent, because I suppose if you've got a child who is, for example, getting sick, physically sick, well, you have to deal with that in the moment. And then you have to start to look at, well, is there is this a tummy bug? And let's be honest, there's been tons of tummy bugs going around and colds kick coming out as well in the last few weeks with kids going back to school. But we have to see, is there a physical issue going on for our child? But then if it's becoming a repeated pattern, well, if if children generally, if they are changing their behavior, it's usually because they're struggling to deal with either their emotions, their thoughts, or their environment. And for kids going back to school, it could be every single one of those things. So, If I'm sick, that gives me the chance to stay at home, which means I don't have to face the thing that I'm worried about. And they're not consciously thinking of that, but that's all happening in the background, in the back of their minds.
5: And what happens to children now? We know um, that there has been a huge rise in marriage breakups and divorces and people heading that way in the lockdown. So there's children involved in that and then on top of that, they're going back to school um, and and they're going to have to, in some cases, divide their time from parent to parent. Uh, that's another big challenge as well that we're being faced with coming out of the pandemic.
1: It is. It's a very it's a very large and I'm actually running a parenting after separation and divorce course this weekend for that exact reason. So I can, we can give parents tips and techniques on how to manage that process for the children, because us as adults, if we're going through a separation, it, we can be hurt, we can be sad, we can be angry. We, we And we may have justifiable reasons for it, but what can happen is sometimes the love for our children can be overridden by that anger and hurt. So that person who has hurt me is no longer in my, in my house. So I have to try and hurt them another way. And the easiest way is through the children, because I know that will actually hurt them. So it's something that if anyone is going through that process, get in touch. We've got an online course this weekend, because it does give you practical ways on how to focus in on the child and what the child needs. And the reality is anxiety is a natural, normal emotion that every single human being on the planet experiences. And what happens is it's just the automatic response to something that we may be worried about. And it could be something from the past, but usually we worry about something that is going to happen in the future. And we think about the worst case scenario. And we rarely if ever think about the best case scenario. And in reality, the truth lies somewhere in the middle, leaning towards the better case scenario. But when we catastrophize things, that's where the anxiety kicks in, because literally the worst thing, I, this will kill me. I will die if I have to go to school. I don't know how to manage this because my parents are separating and I have no control over this. So it's, it's so much about children trying to find the, the best way for them to manage it that they can come up with or that just happens for them.
5: I think that's the big thing as well, isn't it? That people do get caught up in the rows and uh, the disagreements in relation to splitting up. And then they forget that the child is in the middle because they've so much going on themselves. But really, everything has to be about the
1: children first. Well, absolutely, because as an adult, you know what is happening during the breakup. You can process it. And yes, you will be emotional about it, obviously. But a child literally is in a position where they cannot do anything about the fact that their world has been turned upside down and they have no control over it. So they have no control over whether they stay in the family home, whether they go and live in a house that they've never been in before or live in a place where they've never been to before. And they and, and sometimes parents can begin to talk about the challenges that they're having in the relationship. So mum doesn't let me do this. Dad said you can't have that, you know, all this kind of stuff. And that's completely overwhelming for a child who, again, has no control over that situation. So it's something really to be mindful of that you as an adult can go and get support. You can get counselling, you can go for therapy to help you process the emotions that you're experiencing and to make a practical plan going forward for yourself and your children. But your children need that support too, and they may not understand or know how to manage it. So it's something to be mindful of. And if they need support and help, get it for them because they're worth it and they can then start to talk about what's going on for them so they may turn around to a counselor or a therapist or a coach and say i absolutely hate my parents Mm. i hate that they've done this and if they were to say that to you as a parent or to the other parent that's emotional because you're already in a in a in a position of feeling upset and and wounded by the the marriage breakup. And then to hear a child saying, I hate you, is just like another stab. So they're probably not going to say that or they might do. But if they don't, they they may internalize it. So having that other outside person where they can process that, say those things and then get to the end of it and go, you know, I actually don't hate my parents. I'm just really upset.
5: Yeah. And also don't take it to heart because they're not saying it for nothing.
1: Yeah, and you know, when we say don't take it to heart, it's very easy for us to say that, but we react emotionally. So as best as possible. Yeah. Try not to take it on board.
5: Yeah, they're only little ones. Um, so Alan, for people who want to get in touch with you, the helpmetoparent.com is your website?
1: Helpme to with the number two. So helpme the number two parent.ie. Okay,
5: great stuff. Alan O'Donoghue, thank you so much for joining us here on The Late Lunch.
1: You're welcome, Alison.
5: Thank you. We're going to take a break and still to come, we're going to be talking to one woman who has opened up a new little business on Port Beach and she's going to tell us how it changed her life back after this. Welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. Do get in touch with us. We're here until half past three. The details, as always, are info at lmfm.ie if you're an emailer, or you can text and WhatsApp us on 086 1800 658. Still to come on the show. I'm really looking forward to this. Randall Plunkett, the Baron of Dunsany. You must have all heard about his rewilding project. Well, he's teamed up now with the Wildlife Hospital in Navan, So I'm looking forward to that. And of course, Cannonball is coming back to slay in this. This weekend, but first, we've got one woman on the line who set up a small mobile coffee and delicious cake business on Port Beach in Clar Head. I know we've all done uh, remarkable things over the COVID pandemic, and many of us have changed our life. But Kira McCormick has a lovely little business that's doing great. Kira's on the line now. Kira, how are you?
6: I'm really good. How are you guys?
5: Great stuff! Great stuff. I've had a look on Instagram at some of your cakes. I mean, mouth-watering or what.
6: Do you make all them yourself? I do. I have a son and he's celiac and I decided that I was going to do um, gluten-free and celiac-friendly cakes which I just thought, you know, I'm going to try it out, but I didn't realise it was such a big market. Um, so yeah, it's it's um, it's it's been very very successful.
5: And you have a lovely little, um, like like it's like a horseshoe box, isn't it? And you've yeah. just revamped it. Like you'd nearly move in there.
6: <laughs> it's gorgeous. Well, it was it was actually in the back of the garden. It was we had two pigs at the time, and it was completely rusty. And during lockdown, I thought I'm going to make this into a. A a business. So, the idea was to do something like a gin wagon, (laughs) and (laughs) I thought maybe no. Um, So I came up with the name gin wagon, and yeah, the whole premise I feel now is bringing people together, um, especially during this, you know, time when we were in lockdown, Um, and it's it's you know it's been very successful at Fort
5: And of course, you've a a background in design and all of those industries would have all kind of downscaled during Covid because of was barely any advertisement, never mind branding and all sorts. So you just took all of your own skills and what you know, and you just Mm. you decorated this little horse box yourself. And um, Mm. I mean, you were good at cakes and coffee anyway, and you just put it all together and off you go.
6: I think, yeah, the basically during lockdown my work was travel i was i was um, directing um t- television commercials and 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 shoots so everything just stopped so Nothing was coming in and yeah, you know, I thought, what could I do that, you know, is is going to bring in something and it just, yeah, it all just came together really quickly and uh, I set up in in June and it took off very, very well. And of course, the the
5: summertime, you had a fantastic summer for it as well, but also,
6: yeah, yeah,
5: so you could go to festivals,
6: concerts, anything now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the world's your oyster. Yeah, I just we I just did the Van last weekend, which was fantastic. Um it's a small local festival in Beauley. Um and I launched um a new a new coffee range which is um a CBD coffee. Um I am the first coffee house in Ireland to brew it. Um, which is amazing. And I'm also doing um, uh, green coffee, which has many health benefits. Um, and it's 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 been very successful. I've launched that this weekend as well. I think
5: myself and Louise will be calling out to you for one of those cakes Definitely. and coffees. And Kira. but it hasn't just stopped there. Wellness has become a big thing as well. And you've come together as a community and now you're going to be starting things like yoga and moon mm-hmm. swims.
6: Tell us about the moon yeah. swim. So the premise of moon swims I've been doing moon swims for the last two years, and uh, to me it has such it had such um, an effect you know a positive effect um on my on my mental health um, so I set up a small group a, a tribe of women the last few months during lockdown and last month um I put together um, um, something up on on social media. And over about hundred and twenty um men and women turned up. We had it in aid of So Sad. Um we raised um one thousand one hundred. Um just yeah, it was incredible. So um this 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 um this month on the twentieth of September I'm going to be uh doing it again. Um it's going to be in aid of women's refuge in Drogheda and Dundalk. So it's just giving back a little bit and um it's all about being kind, really, um, Alison, and and also just helping each other um, during this time. I know, I know. It's it's a time when people
5: really should come together and um, it is so important and I I commend you on the um, So Sad donation because uh, the the figures for self-harming and suicide are through the roof at the moment and it's been an incredibly difficult time and we've had guests on here as well on the late lunch uh, who've lost people to suicide and it's a, it's a subject very close to my heart so I commend you on that because uh, I just feel it's a huge huge loss when somebody feels they can't do anything else only end their own life when really there are fantastic support groups out there so well done to you So where you. can people get you Kira? You're on on Instagram?
3: I
6: am. I'm only on Instagram. and um, So my um, my name, the name is Chin Wagon with an underscore, Chin Wagon. Um, yeah, and it's, it's to me now, it's all about focusing and talking about our mental health, which is so important um, that we, we can talk about it and especially young people. Um, I've had people coming up to the wagon saying, you're, you know, you're really inspiring that I have been talking about my own story and it's, it is very important now in the times that we are, that we talk about mental health, you know, um, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, I think that's where we need to be at. And no better way than a
5: coffee and a cake and a chat. Exactly. I love it. Well done. Well done. Thank uh, well, thanks a million for joining us on the show here. That's Kira McCormick with the fantastic Chinwagon. We'll take a song now, Vanessa Carlton, A Thousand Miles. Welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. The text number, as always, is 086-180-658, 800 or you can email us at info at lmfm.ie. Now, our next guests are overseeing something that is uh, hugely close to my heart, of rewilding and wildlife. Um, I absolutely love the work that these guys are doing. Eva McParland, education and media manager from the Wildlife Hospital is on the line and also Randall Plunkett from the uh, Dunsane. Castle, how are you doing, guys? Hi, Eva. I'll start with you. Um, the wildlife hospital opened up earlier this year, and I believe you've just been inundated with injured animals and the work that you do. Tell us a little bit about the, the hospital.
3: Yeah, we opened on the 19th of February, Alison, and um, ever since we have been inundated with, like, which I guess shows the need for such a, a hospital in the country. Um, so Up to now, we have had almost two thousand wild patients come through the hospital since February. So that'll tell you.
5: (laughs) Wow, wow, and that's and that's that's everybody ringing your helpline and uh, you know calling at the door, anything.
3: Yeah, exactly. So the helpline took um over 6,000 calls um since February as well and then like I say 2,000 patients through the door. So that would be in terms of people dropping up and our own responders going out and picking animals up that you know on the basis of the phone call that has come through. So um we have received everything from the smallest thing being a gull egg all the way up to badgers and otters and buzzards and you name it, it has come through here. Oh I know so I gave
5: a a lift to an injured magpie from Dublin to your hospital one (laughs) night at 11 o'clock
3: Yeah, brilliant. Well that's it you see we're 24 hours so Mm. even if you can't get through on the helpline after 8, the helpline line is 8 to 8 but we're still here you know you can still come to the hospital because it does operate 24 hours a day.
5: I know I was banging on the door and I was like I've got a sick I've got a sick magpie and And he said, well, there's nothing wrong with his mouth because he was giving out stink when he took him (laughs) out of the box. So hopefully that's a good sign. But uh, (laughs) you're also joined there by uh, Randall Plunkett. Randall, how are you?
2: great,
5: thank you very much. Thanks a for joining us Randall. Um, obviously you have been gracing our pages and media quite a bit uh, lately with this wonderful um, rewilding project that you have at your castle in Dunsany but also um, you've joined up now with the Wildlife Hospital because you've been using some of your uh, vast amount of land to help release some animals into the wild.
2: Yeah we've been uh, I mean the work that they do is is so important here in Ireland I mean there isn't a second one. There's only one wildlife hospital, Mm. and they don't get anywhere near enough credit. And we're at the middle of a a disaster here in the world we're living, and, you know, we're losing species, we're losing the environment. And Irish wildlife has no representation. Um, So we're trying to give it some representation. And I'm just very, very happy to be able to uh, help and do my bit to help these guys with the great work that they're doing.
5: Yeah, so you, you've come together and, and tell us a little bit about what's happening there. I mean, injured animals come to you and then you let them go when they're ready to go on your land.
2: So it works a little bit like this. Okay. Um, when an injured animal comes, uh, they go to the wildlife hospital first. And uh, if they're um, in critical condition, obviously they're looked after there. But once they start to get better, once they don't need as much human attention, um, the next stage is getting them ready to go back into the wild. Um, and that's where I come in. Um, I have some facilities here that help with that. Um, an animal that has an opportunity to, should we say, um, slowly be rewilded, uh, has a better chance at survival. And we're playing the odds game here. So that many of these animals will not survive from lack of habit, habitat to, to injury, the dangers of the road, dangers of man. So we try and do the best we can to give them the best opportunity at life. Um, so, we have some facilities here that help with that, and eventually a lot of these animals will come here or they will be brought elsewhere, depending on the animal, depending on the situation. Um, but really, we're trying to waste nothing. Um, we're at a time here where we have to make the most of what we have, and I have a little bit more, so I'm trying to do a little bit more, and uh, they're just fantastic. And 2,000, I think it was, that they had, uh, 2,000 or 6,000. Either way, it doesn't matter if there'll be twelve thousand. We'll be doing we'll be doing as much as we can do every year and be increasing, you know, because everybody who works there they're they're volunteering they're they're giving their their free time. It's a huge commitment that all the the followers and the volunteers do, and you know what we can provide here at Dunsany is uh, an oasis. No waste
5: well it's a fantastic setting I tell you I've been rewilded and and let back into the wild there would be it's a it's a beautiful gesture it's a lovely gesture Eva I'm sure you're thrilled with this um kind gesture by Randall
3: we are absolutely I mean Randall's only 10 minutes down the road from us so it's just fantastic to have a neighbour of this calibre and you know the estate is absolutely stunning it is as wild as it gets so it's extremely natural and as Randall said we can put our patients in there that are not quite ready to go back but they need that extra time to develop those wild skills to the fore and then they can go into the wild again but what he has is so natural that it is, is as close to the open wild that they can get um, just under our care and distance supervision. And um, we pull away completely. So we would feed, you know, a lot of the animals that are in there will be nocturnal. So otters, hedgehogs, you know, foxes, they're all nocturnal animals. So we can go in with food during the day. They don't see us. Um, we've no contact with them. We do have trail cams. So we keep an eye on them that way. And um, and they're living a fantastic life over there. It's so peaceful. It's so natural. They're hearing all the sounds of nature. They're smelling all the sounds of nature. And um, yeah, it's absolutely ideal. I love it. Um, and it's a pure chance
5: meeting, isn't it?
3: Yeah, um, well I mean we obviously knew Randall was there, Randall heard that we had got um, the site here and uh, we just made contact and then when myself and Emma, the hospital manager went over to visit Randall, at insane I mean sure, look, as soon as we stepped foot inside the gate um, we knew it was, it We're was home. an amazing place We're home um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Absolutely, I yeah. mean it's just you know, it really fills our hearts with joy when we bring animals mm-hmm. over there it's it's ideal, it's absolutely perfect
5: I've seen a lot of the videos, I follow you both on uh, Instagram and it is mesmerising to watch. But Randall, can I ask you, I mean, the castle is there years, years and years and years. Um, why now? Why, what, what got you into this?
2: Well, I mean, I think it's, it's a sign of the times as well. Um, every generation has their battle. You know, we had poverty. We, have, we had, uh, you know, invasion. But now our great war is the environmental war. And, you know, I mean, the thing is for someone like me, um, I have privilege, so I have the privilege to serve, and, and you know, in the end, um, the Irish people are my people. I want to do the best by the Irish people, and, and the thing is is that our environment is not represented, unfortunately. These days we have education, we have language, we even have wealth, but we don't have, we don't have any wild almost, and we're losing it day in, day out. We're ripping hedgerows, and look, my father said to me once, the reason why we don't have the animals we had when I was a boy was progress. Well I sort of feel that that cost of progress is now too much and so we're trying to change that you know because I don't believe in in absolutes there's there's always a second chance and I believe that this is our second chance and it takes people to take a first step the wildlife hospital are taking their step I'm taking my step and I hope many 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 people of this country will do the same
5: and and to do this, Randall, um, this does it ever get a bit overwhelming? Uh, I mean, do you you probably feel a huge sense of responsibility as well. Now I know you have the wildlife hospital helping you, but they're on your land, and there's so many of them, and they're so precious, and you're trying to protect them, and you're trying to make a difference. And I completely commend you for where you're coming from. Um but do you, do you ever feel a little bit overwhelmed? Do you ever, or do you have people helping you? Do you t- worry about the
2: animals? We have a lot of help from, from our friends and from, from people around. I mean the thing is what started as a spark is catching fire. You know, I mean there's lots of people now involved, lots of people wanting to to be involved. Some are volunteering, some are just keeping an eye out, some are, you know, donating. Every bit of help helps. And um, the thing is, yeah, it gets overwhelming, I think I think Eva will, will tell you. I mean, it's almost overwhelming every single day, but we wake up the next day and you know, we're we're ready for action and we'll do it all again tomorrow.
5: And does that mean that uh, you don't get a break yourself? I mean, if if you're, just say you're going on holidays or you're going away or something, who's going to look after the animals? Does that, do all those things come into play?
2: Um, Well, I I would say that uh, as I'm doing a lot of rewilding these days, there'll be no more holidays. (laughs) But but the thing thing is, is that I, I, this is my holiday and my work Mm. and my passion. I, I get more benefit from this than I ever would going to a sunny beach in Spain. And the thing is, is that I think that part of, my life is over. I really want to see the mm. wild come back to Ireland. And that's that gives me the motivation to keep going and work seven days a week to make that happen.
5: And Eva, um, are you ever looking for volunteers? Do you want to do a shout out? Oh, we're always looking for
3: volunteers, Alison, because like Randall, we're 24-7. So, um, you know, the more help we can get, the better just to keep this thing going. Um, so absolutely, I mean, our website, www.wri.ie, has everything up there with regard to all the different types of volunteer um, um, openings that are here. So, yeah, I mean, everything from helpline to first responder to, you know, animal care coming onto the site, you name it. Um, Now, volunteers do have to be over the age of 18, uh, just, you know, given the nature of what we do here. But um, absolutely always looking for volunteers.
5: And Randall, you had woodpeckers on your land.
2: Among other things, yes. We, we started very small. We, uh, we got the first breeding pair, it uh, would have been last year, in 100 years apparently, in County Meath. Wow. And uh, so we had two, and then they had some children. And this year we had two breeding pairs, and they all had about three uh, children each. So we're breaking more than 12 now, I'd say.
5: Well done. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, I know certainly in Dublin, where I live, Um, uh, we found a, a big bag of dead pigeons recently fired onto a skip and the person who dumped them was caught on CCTV and all of these things are happening. There's also a huge issue with seagulls. People give out about them and I think people forget that the nesting season is around the summer so they are more vocal, they are louder and you just have to give them a chance. And absolutely if you
3: actually feed them they'll leave you alone I found uh, but I actually, suppose Alison yeah. can I just say something on the herring gull there um, because it's the herring gull specifically that gets all the bad press yeah. and I mean there is some very irresponsible journalism done around that mm. gull in particular um, and I think it's probably worth telling people that that gull in particular is on the red list so it's actually an endangered species and people are a, a protected species to they are all every. Single animal is protected in this country, bar two, unfortunately. But that does include seagulls and pigeons, by the way, mm-hmm. all protected. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, when you see all of these gulls, and people will think there's no way they're endangered, they're everywhere, but they're really not everywhere. Mm. Because of overfishing, because of habitat destruction, they have been forced to adapt, and they are desperately trying to survive, and that means robbing your sandwich. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I get it, totally.
5: And they're having babies yeah. during the nesting season, and they're trying to feed their babies. I get that totally. Yeah. I think they're yeah. great little characters, but. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are I actually had a, had to look after a little uh, a baby once but I knew mom was circling overhead so I, I propped him up onto the top of a shed and off they went she got her back up into the air which was great because I know you can't hang on to them for too long but uh, Randall I suppose you'd come across a lot of um people who want to harm animals maybe poachers that kind of thing have you come across that
2: unfortunately so yeah no poaching is an issue um we've all kind of um, pulled together. To, to stop it. Um, it's been getting uh, less and less uh, because we've been had such a militant attitude with it. So we've had to install uh, secret cameras. We have uh, patrols. We have had volunteers keeping an eye on things. We, we, we have. To, and the, the, the good thing with the animal hospital now is that there's a lot more people circulating in different cars. So it's very hard to, to come to Dunstany nowadays and you just don't know who's going to see you. And uh, like I said, we have a database. We're working with the um, national parks and some authorities and the government as well to really make sure that if someone does come here and they get caught, you know, all hell will break loose.
5: Yeah, and you're right too. You're right too. I think we're at a stage in, in, in the world where, as you say, all of these animals, wildlife, all endangered. and uh, But it really does boil down to personal responsibility and just being mindful now not to, you know, Stamp on a bee and, uh, you know, try and um, uh, the culling of seagulls, I'd heard as well, Aoife. Just shocking suggestions uh, being mm-hmm. made, as you said, in journalism.
3: And I'm, I'm a journalist myself. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And it's just ignorance, you know, I mean, and this is where education is so important. And, you know, we're developing a whole education programme here with the hospital and with some local schools. We're piloting it with local schools. And, you know, we're really just hoping to get the word out there. Education, education is key.
5: Okay, so just give us the wildlife hospitals details again, Aoife.
3: Yeah, sure. So our helpline is 0818 87766 and that's 8 to eight, seven days a week. But like I say, the hospital itself at Taranaree in Garlow Cross at Navan is open 24 hours a day. So you can come up to the hospital at any time of the day with an animal. Um, And then our website is www.wri.ie.
5: And the stunning creatures that are uh, being cared for on your land, Randall, are all available to see on Instagram, aren't they? Instagram and Facebook. Brilliant, brilliant. And Twitter. Yeah, no, it's 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 incredible work that you're doing, and uh, I commend no, and you I both. Say
2: one last thing, of course. Just, just to the people who are listening, you know, we're all Irish here, and we all come in different colours. We all came from different places. Some of us, and the thing is, is that these animals are are our animals, you know. And if we lose them now, we're we're stealing from ourselves. We're stealing from the next generation. It's very important we protect our our country, our history, and our wildlife.
5: And I think I think as well if people don't know this by now, Randall, they're just not listening and they're just being ignorant because there's so much emphasis on this. But we do all have to play our part, and it's an, an extremely important issue. And uh, I spoke to a lot of green politicians in Dublin who said while there is a huge move towards uh, looking after animals and taking care of wildlife and be more mindful, that they're not actually hearing it on the doors when they're canvassing. So that is one thing they do want to hear. They want to hear it from from the public when they're canvassing. If you've got an issue um, about wildlife and and, uh, climate change and all of the things that are hugely important for the next generation, you have to raise it with those who represent you. It's a big thing.
3: Mm, Absolutely, absolutely.
5: Well listen guys I'm going to leave it there thank you so much for joining us here on the Late Lunch on LMFM that's Eva McPartlin from the Wildlife Hospital Ireland's only Wildlife Hospital who's doing exceptional work and Randall Plunkett from Dunsany Castle who, with his um, rewilding uh, project which is incredible and they've both uh, partnered up to do some great work together thanks for joining us here guys Thanks for, awesome.
2: thanks for having us
5: We'll take a break and we'll be back after this Welcome back to the Late Lunch here on LMFM. I'm Alison O'Reilly. Do get in touch with us. The text number, as always, 0861800658. And still to come on the show, we'll be talking all things cannonball. It's coming back to slain this weekend again. But a couple of things here. Um, our live coverage of the Premier League continues this Saturday via the LMFM app. Uh, or by clicking on the Listen tab on the LMFM website. And first up is Wolves versus Brentford at twelve thirty, and at three pm it's Liverpool versus a Crystal Palace. While Aston Villa take on Everton in the evening game at five thirty, and Premier League live now with Premier League live with now. Join in the experience with a now sports or sports extra membership. And also, uh, I was just to remind you all here of uh, a woman who lost her phone between Navin O'Mahony's and uh, China Garden. And she's thousands of photos of her twins in it. They're new twins as well. So these photos, of course, are invaluable. And the phone is a silver and black Hawaii. I've said it right now, haven't I, Louise? No, I've said it wrong again. I can't (laughs) say it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's how Navin people say Huawei. Huawei. What is it then? Huawei.
5: Oh, Huawei. Okay. Sorry. Okay, so there's no hate. I was told off by Jerry a couple of months ago, so I've learned my lesson. It's Huawei. Huawei. Okay, right. and you did say that to me, and I was like, no, Huawei. No, Huawei. Huawei sounds okay. better. Okay. <laughs> P20. So if anyone has seen this phone, remember now it was found, uh, it was lost between Navin O'Mahony's and China Gardens. So it's a really, really important phone because there's photos of new twins on it and you can't get those back. So if anybody has seen this phone, please contact David on 087-859-7601 and a reward is on offer there. You're listening to The Late Lunch and uh, we're going to take a little break and we'll Oh, no, go on and tell us. Tell us. I'm making a mistake again. <laughs> go on, come on and it's tell me Thursday. where I'm going wrong. No,
3: we're just going into the voice with John Farnham. Yes.
5: Welcome back to the late lunch on LMFM. And uh, we've got an exciting one for you now. Alan Bannon, the founder of Cannonball, is on the line. Alan, how are you?
9: Not too bad now, yourself.
5: I'm good, thanks. So Cannonball is coming back to Slane.
9: Yeah, which is great we're looking forward to it so it's been a couple of years since we were there obviously Mm. with Covid we had to um, hold off on running Cannonball last year so it's great that live events are are back now and uh, we're delighted to get the whole show on the road again
5: I'm reading here 150 exotic motors or more at this event
9: normally we would have somewhere in the region of 170, 180 cars this year it's 150 which is great the very first year of Cannonball in 2009, with 130A cars. So it's always a big event mm. and um, some amazing cars with some fabulous Lamborghinis. But the two stars of the show are two Ford GTs and um, one has just landed in from the UK today. Wow. And they're amazing. So anybody who's interested in cars or who want to see the whole colourful convoy passing through Slane would we'll need to get down to Slane Village for no later than 3pm on Sunday.
5: For quite the spectacle, I would say.
9: Yeah, I mean, Slane is it, it's a magical spot, mm. and it's a, it's a venue that is, um, you know, it just works for us, and we're delighted to have got the opportunity to put the cars on display in Slane Castle um, in 2019, and we actually set a Guinness Book of Records there. So it is without doubt one of our favourite stops, and they very kindly suggested that we do a quick drive through. So the crowds really gathered uh, in the village, which is great, but we need to make sure that everybody gets in there and is safe and parks up in a safe place. So get in early, park up, and uh, come and see the car. There is more tickets available, I believe, uh, just today in Slane Castle for parking, which is great. And we're inundated with questions about the route and timing and where it is. So we have to be very careful where we promote
5: and tell me now, for our listeners who aren't familiar with Cannonball, um, how did you start this up? Why did you start it up?
9: I suppose I was always interested in cars from a very young age. I love cars, especially Porters. And my mum and my sister worked together in a charity called Sam. And one day my mum came home and she was quite upset over a child who was seriously ill. And I just thought to myself, someday I must do something for that charity. So I had the brainwave of doing a, a car run, and I thought if you see a red Ferrari driving down through any town or village, it'll get attention. Put graphics on it, it'll get a lot more attention. So I decided to set up Cannonball. We bought the rights off a company in the UK, and we started trading. In 2009, we set it up, and it's grown from strength to strength ever since. Ever since. I mean, it's just it's got a lovely community of people. Um, who love cars and we've raised 1.1 million for charity so far
0: wow. this
6: year, we'll
9: hopefully raise another 100,000 so my goal was a million euro back then so we've done that
5: you've done that and uh, you're going to keep going I believe you're raising funds for the Hope Foundation this year
9: the Hope Foundation is a chosen charity every year we try to spread it around uh, it's important to mention that Cannibal is a company it's an event company so we have to trade like every other company and whatever we got left over, then we give to charity, and we have bucket collections and we've auctions. Mm-hmm. So this year, you know, with the crowds being down, we hope to raise a hundred thousand. Um, and we had a very successful and um, smaller event called Retro, which we raised twenty-five thousand for the whole foundation. So I'm very confident that we'll hit that hundred thousand this year for them.
5: I know the Hope Foundation very well. I did a documentary for them, my first documentary uh, way back in 2005 and I've been out to see the work that they do in Calcutta. They're an extraordinary organisation.
9: Very good. Um, Yeah, and it's actually set up by a lady in Cork. um, Maureen Forrest. Maureen Forrest. And I'm going to meet her tomorrow. She's coming to our lunch stop tomorrow. So she's an amazing woman. And I spoke to her about 10 years ago as well. Mm. And um, I know her daughter has been on asking to do it, so... As you can imagine, we, we do get inundated to, to look after um, various charities. So mm. there's always a queue and we always try to spread that around. So um, Maureen, uh, you know, from, from listening to her and from chatting to her, uh, is an amazing woman and she's got amazing energy to, to keep on doing what she's doing.
5: Oh, yeah. She's a force to be reckoned with. I know her well. She is, yeah. yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Tell us about the, the route.
9: So unfortunately, the route has to kind of kind of kept um, top secret because we don't oh. want. Uh, yeah, we well, I mean, <clears throat> there's a few venues where we mm. can promote, like Malahide Castle, is where we're to start. And um, the crew are building up there at the moment. I believe this car is actually starting to to pull into Malahide Castle. So tomorrow morning, uh, we depart from Malahide Castle, which is a big outdoor space, mm-hmm. and we make our way down to Cork City um, tomorrow night, and then Sunday. Uh, sorry, Saturday we'll be finishing in Galway and Sunday is the big day. Uh, it's a big day for me because it's to get a chance to bring it back to Slane. So to see the full convoy um, passing through the Selene Village at about 3pm. Uh, so I recommend everybody to get down early, get down for at least, say, 1.30, get parked up and safe, safely park up and line the streets and uh, see the whole convoy of cars passing on. We'll be heading in the direction of Drata. Because it finishes in the Titanic Centre in Belfast on Sunday evening.
5: Oh, it sounds absolutely incredible. And, you know, I've never been to one of them. I've never, ever been to one of them. And I, I might pop down on Sunday because I'm off. Uh, I, I normally work on Sunday, so I might. So three o'clock on uh, Sunday, but you're advising everyone to be there from about 1.00, one thirty.
9: Well, I think if you want to get down mm-hmm. and get a good spot, park up the car and... Um,
5: make a, da- make yeah. a day of it.
9: Yeah, yeah, get some lunch down, Slane. I know there's going to be some food vendors out there and there's a few nice... Uh, places to get lunch and um, yeah and, and support lane and um, you'll see all the cars arriving around 3pm um, look at, at the end of the day it, it, it is a rolling event so it's not unusual for us to get delayed slightly you know so I suppose the best thing to do really is to follow our social media for mm. updates mm-hmm. so our Instagram and our Facebook which is Cannonball Ireland and on the day the full route the detail will be posted so we're going to leave it uh, just uh, for the Sunday morning to post the route
5: For the suspense. Great stuff. Alan Bannon from Cannonball. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Late Lunch and the best of luck with it. Thanks very much. That's it folks uh, for another day and coming up on tomorrow's show I just want to thank all the guests that we've had all this week I keep going home in my car and saying oh I forgot to thank everybody that was on the show so thank you to all our guests today and for the last week and uh, coming up on tomorrow's show we'll be speaking to the scoliosis warrior Uh, what an inspiring story that is and if you're a letter writer we'll be talking to Dinah Johnson who is the founder of the Letter Writing Appreciation Society and we'll also be looking at the Kerry Babies that's lots more, and uh, we leave you with this song.
4: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers.
0: Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This
2: is the story of the wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping